Welcome to the Prodigal and the Priest podcast, a podcast about faith, sports, and two friends from different cultures. Here are your hosts, Joey Scansella and Father Paul Bechter. Father Paul. What's up, Joey? How are you doing, man? Doing what well. are you doing right now? I'm trying. Are to, you troubleshooting trying something? Trying to get our uh, <laughs> our picture on the screen, but yeah, I had to charge the iPad and oh yeah. You know, so. iPads are kind of a mystery world to me. Like I've only had to use them a couple times, uh, mostly for communication stuff and learning how to do some of that um, audio need- visual technician. But boom. But they're kind of. I mean. Oh no, I don't want to take this in too weird of a direction, but they're just they're weird devices. They're like not a computer, but not a phone. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Super profound. Okay, let's He's get a on profit. to <laughs> let's get on to something. <laughs> All right. Meaningful. Now that I've done those things, I can resume my host <laughs> duties. Uh welcome to can... Prodigal the Priest and me. Um today is our question edition and uh before we get into it though. I hear you had some comments back about the pizza question. Yeah. lot of controversy generated <laughs> by the pizza discussion. I know. People are like, you didn't mention he for delis. You didn't mention. He for delis to cut him uh, up. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, not or in the what was the other one? Cavalli? No. Not Cavalli's. CC's. No, they didn't mention CC's. <laughs> Little Caesars. <laughs> yeah, the two for five deal. That's Little a great Caesar. deal. That's a great deal, but we were talking to... And then you... But you had a legit person reach out to you about pizza, right? I did. Nice. So I went and uh, spent some time with my family. Yeah. Yeah. And um, some of my family are listeners, and they ordered Domino's Pizza... Uh, to welcome me there for Thanksgiving, having That's heard amazing. it was my favorite kind of pizza in this like fast food pizza category. Domino's um, pizza. And I was overjoyed. It was so delightful. That's Thank amazing. you for doing that. It was definitely the thought that counted. <laughs> we love so, so let me be clear on the Domino's thing, right? I was saying I think of Domino's first. Right. I would probably order Domino's before I would order Pizza Hut or the others. Um, I think because I like it, but mostly because I think of it first. Mm. And so it's a, not to take us down that path again, but um, I'm not, I'm not making the kind of claim that like I will only eat Domino's and not Pizza Hut. Right. Or Papa John's. Right. Um, garlic I think, sauce i think i think it's a much softer claim yeah so anyway lots of uh lots, lots of, of controversy lots of i i heard from people who were very grateful that i separated off like pizza in italy as a different thing absolutely you can't i mean completely different apples debate. and oranges yeah seriously totally so. different really and in a sense like texas to the northeast or the northeast to the you know, Northwest or thing, you know, like it's just like completely different cultures. When I was on net ministries traveling around for retreats, I remember we were on one retreat in Cincinnati, Ohio. They're like, you want barbecue for dinner? And we're all like, yeah, barbecue sounds good. And I'm a kid from New Jersey, but I still think when I think barbecue, I think like Texas barbecue type stuff. Mm. They pull out a crock pot of sloppy Joe's. 
Oh. That's barbecue in like Whoa. Cincinnati. Whoa. Yeah, I was like, wow, what a tangled web we weave <laughs> when at first. <laughs> so um, I was just like, or it's just interesting, the cultural aspect of different places. Wisconsin, same thing, retreats. They're like, oh, do you need, you know, if you need water, here's the bubbler. Bubbler is a water fountain. Weird. Yeah. Or like, do you call it soda, pop, Coke? I call it soda. Okay, I kind of wish too. I called it Coke, like a real Texan. <laughs> um, now that you have the mustache? Yeah, I got the stash now. Yeah. Cowboy hat is ready to come out when it gets warm again. Wait, so you can't do, because of the PPE, you can't do handlebars into the stash? Like, you can't do... I can't connect sideburns and stash. Because that breaks the seal. Yeah. Oh, I could man. have long sideburns <laughs> and the stash. I could have long sideburns and... A sort of semi handlebar. You could soul patch it came, though. I could soul patch it as well. Oh man. These were all on the chart of approved facial hairstyles with the green tick next to each of them. Oh gosh. Um, but yeah, anything that would connect up by the the mustache region. Yeah. Um, or would go onto the chin area. Got it. All right. Well, let's get into some real questions. Yeah. Sound good? Let's do it. All right. So I got a bunch from one of our avid listeners. Every time she goes on a road trip, she sends me like 10 questions. So I'll do a few of hers as well. Mary Chapman, shout out to Mary Chapman. Thanks for listening. Um, but she shout asked a few um, serious ones and a few uh, lighthearted ones. So I want to do one of her lighthearted ones. Um, in your opinion, who's the most underrated saint? I just saw you freak out a little bit with that question. Yeah, I'd kind of stop paying attention, and then I was. Like, <laughs> and then you're like, "Oh, he asked me a question." Uh, so most underrated saint. Most underrated saint. Oh gosh, so many of them. Yeah, I mean, I I always get tied up in knots trying to come up with like, trying to power power rank stuff like this. Mm. Um, underrated saint i'll toss out one who i don't yeah. think gets as you much credit i'm gonna go like a saint monica because she a lot of credit though does she for those who know but maybe that's what underrating is yeah i'm like so many people would say okay i see tons of like saint augustine saint augustine's for you know confirmations or things like that like mm -hmm. and people just know the story saint augustine and the radical conversion and all that but for those who don't know the mother behind that, who prayed for her son's conversion, you know, I don't know. I think there's some underrated aspects there. I think also the story of St. Perpetua and St. Felicity. I like that story. Yeah. I mean, I mean, as far know, as liking martyrdom. Yeah. I was like, those. wow, you like them being tossed like <laughs> sewn on their backs where like the skins of other animals to make like the, uh, the it's a beautiful story. <laughs> the lions tear them apart more in the, uh, um, but I, I think saints like that are hugely under un, underrated. I love the story of St. Perpetua and St. Felicity. The early martyr, the martyrs of the canon. So, uh, Perpetua and Felicity are in the Roman canon, Eucharistic Prayer 1, ancient, ancient, ancient list of early saints, uh, mm -hmm. early martyrs, really. Right. Apostles and martyrs. And all the apostles were martyred except John anyway, so. But, um. Yeah, yeah. John Week. <laughs> yeah. Just 
just followed Jesus all the way tried, to the cross. <laughs> they tried to martyr him, right. martyr him, and then they exiled him. But um, I've got a thought. Saint Polycarp, ah, the martyrdom of Polycarp. You've inspired me with the Perpetua and Felicity thing. Nice. So I'm going like early. Yeah. Early. Uh, Wait, it's not Ignatius Polycarp, is it? No. Ignatius is different, but uh, Ignatius of Antioch was my second okay. underrated saint I was going to give. Okay. Because uh, both of them write, well, both of them, uh, how to say it? I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. They both have very profound martyrdom stories. Yeah. Um, from the earliest days of the church. Right. And uh, yeah, pretty awesome. Also, St. Irenaeus, I think very underrated. Yeah. Extremely important theologian. Uh, very funny. Yeah. Most people don't know. But like he mocked different forms of Gnosticism in his writings against heresies. Yeah. And we only have access to most of those writings in like Victorian style English because they haven't been retranslated in a long time. Right. So they're kind of hard to to sink your teeth into. Um, but they're actually really funny mm-hmm. and really profound. And he is extremely important for the whole theological tradition coming after him. Yeah. And has a connection with Texas. Um, I'm going to go with an obscure one. JP2. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, what about, though, a few others? I would just toss out for consideration. Great question, by the way. Great, fun yeah, question. Great question. I do think if you're not Peter, John, or James, you kind of get like the short end of the like stick. Andrew, we had Andrew yeah, like, earlier this week. Most people can't name the twelve apostles. Like, how would you like to be James the Less or James? Like, you know, no one knows anything about. I just think those saints hugely underrated. Also, my uh, parish growing up was Saint Barnabas, and I think Barnabas is a very underrated saint. And so, um, just like, yeah, I, I think those saints, the Ugandan martyrs, I mean, there's so many, the North American martyrs, um, blessed Jose Maria, no, blessed Jose Sanchez del Rio, like the six year old or oh. who like gave his life. You remember? No, no, no. Okay. I was or trying to play along, but no. Dominic Savio. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's so many, so many, but I, yeah. I put Perpetual and Felicity up there. Yeah. I think I'm going to stick with that. Like or St. Monica in some aspects. Yeah. I think St. Monica is less underrated. Because why? There's churches named well, St. Monica? Yeah. And a lot of, like, a lot of mothers know about St. Monica and rate her very highly. Yeah. But um, those are, like, a lot of very Catholic moms. True. True. So... Yeah. Okay. Good question. Good question. Okay. Here's a legit one. During Christmas, we hear the genealogy of Jesus read. How does this actually work, though? I've heard the genealogy is passed down through the mother's side, as in Mary was of the tribe of Levi, which made Jesus a priest. However, we hear that Joseph is the son of David. So So is the lineage passed down through the father, like in the Western sense? How do we understand this? I want to say that in Matthew's genealogy, it's, and I might have it reversed, uh, but in Matthew's one, it's through the mother, and in Luke's one, it's through the father. 
I know that I know that one of them begins with Jesus and goes all the way back, and then one of them starts at the beginning and goes all the way up to the right. front. Um, but I I always I always thought that, that was um, that it was both for Jesus, even though Joseph is is adopted father, um, but like that there's actually a a meaning to adoption when it comes to to sort of rights in the family and stuff, and that like his inheritance of the the line of David. Um, I was going to say the came, David is the emphasis, right? Yeah, Davidic. Yeah, yeah. Davidic kingship. Um, yeah, I thought it was through both in this. You, you're you're the Bible person, so I think I we're am coming a Bible to you. Guy. Yeah, questions like this sometimes I just haven't really looked into that much, <laughs> and then I get all hesitant trying to like even yeah. give because I don't want to give a bad opinion and be like, well, the Bible guy said this. Um, but I'm also probably not going to look into it anytime soon. Yeah. It's a <laughs> so you go with, yeah, yeah Davidic. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I don't great know, question, man. though. Great, great question. <laughs> Sorry, but. I'm also distracted by trying to, like, stroke my beard as I'm thinking. And I can hear it, the sandpaper the in sand the mic. Pa- I'm trying so hard to get a close shave, and I just, it's thick, man. We it's should double. pose the question to our listeners. Like, who, who's the best, like, straight razor you know, barber to go to. Ooh, that is a good question. That would be good. So, listeners, there you go. All right. All right. Thor, Thor S. I'm sure you've heard of the term spiritual battle or spiritual warfare. I have a few questions about this. First, just your understanding of spiritual warfare and maybe some interesting things about it from either your own life or would you be willing to share from the lives of the saints? Second is, I'm wondering how this affects your daily life and some ways or things that you use to overcome or win in a spiritual battle. Also, Joey, if you can recall how it changed before and after you were married or after children as well, Father Paul, how it changed before or after you entered seminary during your time in Italy and now as a parish priest. So general comments on spiritual warfare, how that was personally for our lives or the lives of the saints. And so um, yeah, it's a great topic. I think it's, I think it's kind of a highly debated topic. Some, in the sense that I know, when I was at Franciscan, for example, I feel like you encountered some people that were like, "Oh, I stubbed my toe." Spiritual warfare, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it kind of we've talked about it before with Mary or different different devotions or things like that, right? That it's like you can take these things and it can lead you closer to Christ and take it in an appropriate way, or it can become this obsession and superstition. Yeah. Superstition. Yeah. And so, get to that level. um, I know it's interesting within the terms of, you know, like he asked me about, you know, before and after married. Yeah. Like huge, I would say, I'd say the big, biggest spiritual like warfare temptation is like to always be looking back and to be like, oh man, it was so much better when I was engaged. It was so much better when I was single or I had this freedom or without children and this. Like the biggest spiritual warfare that I think plagues fathers and families is always thinking it was better when this and so therefore I'm not happy now and just want to separate and break mm-hmm. up the family. 
We're always living one step behind to say, oh, if I only had it back without kids. It was so peaceful. It was so great. I had my own time. Oh, but if I only had it back to when we were engaged, I had this or that. Oh, well, if I'm single, I only had that. You know, like it's me, 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 I, I, I. Like the spiritual warfare of I just think the devil wants to isolate us and say, you're not happy. You don't have enough. It's not enough. You want more, you know? So sharing a little bit about that, but what about you as, you know, yeah. going through seminary, priesthood, all of that? Yeah. Well, first, like, just want to affirm your share right there. Oh, thank it's you. good share, man. Thank you. Um, and If you had a switch, you would play a... Yeah, I'd play some applause. A drop. Some, some kind of drop, but <laughs> I don't. I can just one hand clap. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sandpaper Just sound. Scratch um, no, but like that's that's a, a good share first because it like it's something uh personal that I think will resonate with with other fathers. Um but also like you you put your finger on I think an important dimension of spiritual warfare just by giving that example in, in a really clear way that like it's when we hear the word spiritual warfare, we probably shouldn't be thinking of like angels and demons around every corner battling in this way. Like, I don't know, maybe that's what's going on, but what it looks like to us is a slight temptation right? that escalates it, or that spirals, you know, downhill right? and becomes a bigger dissatisfaction with my life. Right. And then becomes like a mild despair and a sense of give up or something like when we talk about spiritual warfare that's that's really what we're talking about that kind of stuff mm-hmm. movements of grace uh and whether or not i accept them or reject them right. and temptations and what i do with those um sometimes people get like weird like crazy blasphemous thoughts when they go up to receive the Eucharist Mm. or when they're in the pews. Um, I've had people tell me that before and like, they're freaked out by it. They're like, I don't want this. Is this sinful? I don't know. And it's like, that I think is a good example of spiritual warfare. That's something that's probably not coming from you. Right. Um, You don't seem to have any control over whether or not that thought enters your mind. Um, But like, what do you do with that? Right. Um, and the basic response is, you know, reject it um, and try and think about something else. Um, and if rejecting it doesn't seem to get rid of it, then ignore it. Yeah. Like there's some, there's certain types of temptations or thoughts that when you engage with them by trying to reject them, you actually <laughs> yeah. make them stronger. Yeah. And so the appropriate thing from a spiritual warfare perspective is to learn to allow that thought to pass. Mm. Um and not to be disturbed by it. Um, and I, I think that example like applies to all sorts of different things. Yeah. Um, the devil's end game is to drive us into despair. Um, despair of God's mercy, despair that God could ever heal us or would ever want to rescue us from whatever we're struggling with. Um, like That's the end game, yeah. is to get us into despair. And there's I'm sure he's got tons of tools at his disposal. Right. Um, but our response is 
is always the same. It's to, it's to, I don't know, use that against him. Like, okay, so you get a temptation, right, to do something. Or you have a bad thought enter your mind. Or you just find that there is this, you've slid without realizing it into this kind of malaise. Um, like, like you were saying, looking back or something like that. If you can take any of those things and turn them into an occasion of like, well, now I'm going to turn to Christ and rededicate my life to him. Like you're thwarting the devil right there. Mm -hmm. Like you're turning that tactic against him. Um, That's effective warfare. We're not going to outsmart him, but if we turn to Christ every chance we get, like that's a, I mean, you can't win. Right. And so I don't know. And, I think it's important to focus on like the really mundane parts of this because I think that's most people's experience. Right. And what you're just to articulate though, what you're kind of getting at is because most people hear spiritual warfare and they think, Oh, like exorcist of Emily Rose. Yeah. Right. Like they think these like like, apocalyptic visions. Right. Right. They think uh, these huge things instead of. Yeah. Or stories from like the lives of the saints, like St. John Vianney, for instance, uh, being tormented by these noises and stuff, and or Padre Pio didn't. Yeah, Padre Pio, um, all sorts physically of physically fighting yeah, like about demons, them, like, battling devils. And it's like, okay, but maybe that doesn't seem to be happening to most people. <laughs> right. Um, so like, saints do extraordinary things, um, but for most of us, that's not what it looks like. Right. Um. Yeah. It's it's important to, to recognize like how mundane and boring the devil is. Um, like sin isn't interesting, right? Um, and temptations to sin are not interesting; uh, they're boring. Um, because if we only think of spiritual warfare as something like flashy, we're either going to be drawn to it in this weird kind of uh, like vain curiosity kind of way mm-hmm. uh, that some people can get drawn to the occult. Right. Um, drawn to it in that way, or we're going to think that it doesn't apply to us. Right. And it's really like, no, it it does apply, but it's a matter of like being able to keep custody of your thoughts and of your actions. Yeah. Um, not being able to control your thoughts, but your reaction to them. Right. I, I hope that makes sense without no, making it, makes, it sound yeah. too weird. Like, no, it makes total sense. And I love that por- point you made about you know, it's in those kind of like simple things. And and I look at it and I remember when, just small tangent, The Passion of the Christ came out, the movie. Yeah. They asked Mel Gibson, I just distinctly remember this in my mind, them asking him about why he chose the way the devil looks. It's kind of this like neutral and like kind of, he he said it kind of wanted to be like alluring, kind of, of, yeah, like, but, but kind flashy. of like, yeah. And he's like, that's what I think we experience on a daily thing. If you saw this huge, gnarly, disgusting thing, you would probably run from it on a daily basis. But it's in these subtle, like, yeah. s- you lies. know, small, yeah, small lies, compromising things or the spiritual battle, you know, of yeah. being like, yeah. So no, that's, that's, that's a really good point. And I, I do actually have a story my own life to to illustrate that a little bit um so like 
I mean, I haven't had particularly flashy moments of spiritual warfare in my life, but I do know that on like on some of the retreats I've made, uh, there have been moments when I woke up terrified for no reason. And I never have nightmares. I never, like, I sleep pretty well. I like to sleep. <laughs> um, but I woke up just absolutely terrified. And it was all I could do to, like, grab my rosary and start praying. And, uh, you know, the fear eventually went away. I don't know if it was just that, like, I had slept weirdly or if it right. was, you know, there's, there's always natural mixed in. Uh, quite a bit with this, but what I did realize looking back and seeing a pattern in some of this was that, okay, so it seems like the devil's tactics, if he's got us in a state of sin, for instance, why bother revealing yourself? He's got us right where he wants us. If he's got us, uh, if we're struggling against that, then his tactic seems to be to get us to despair uh, that we're ever going to be free. Yeah. Um, if we're living a life of grace um, and not habitually struggling with mortal sin, like if we've conquered that far along the spiritual life, um, then it seems like there are, I don't know, maybe some moments where he will reveal himself in a bit stronger way. Yeah. But it's because he's losing power. It's basically a scare tactic. Mm. Um. Those moments on retreat when I would wake up terrified and, you know, like have to pray to to calm down and stuff like that, those were always moments kind of on the eve of something big in my spiritual life. Mm-hmm. Um, they, there weren't a ton of them, but there were enough to notice a pattern. And it makes sense to me that like the devil wouldn't want to come, come out of hiding until the last possible moment because once he did and once you rejected him what else does he have if he's tried to scare you out in the open and you've turned to christ anyway what else does he have right um and his end game is to get us to fall into despair so it's better to lie hidden and just work through these subtle lies um work through a culture which promotes these subtle half-truths and lies as the normal way to live mm-hmm. and to lock us into habits of sin yep. um, that are chains uh, and to make us think that we can never be free. Yeah. So I don't know. That's how I see spiritual warfare. Yeah. Um, I think it's great. I think it's much better to focus on the, the mundane and the everyday when you're thinking about spiritual warfare. Thor, great question. Yeah. Appreciate God it. of thunder. Way to God go. Of we love your name. Uh, I think th- I think we answered a question for Thor maybe early, early on. So yeah, thank you for so still too. listening. Yeah. It shows that. Thank you for your courage, Thor, <laughs> to use your name. So let's end on uh, a lighthearted note. Describe the perfect sandwich. Oh, I do love sandwiches. So really? I do, actually. I, I've been made fun of for a particular love of sandwiches. By uh, me? No, not by Oh, me. okay. I was like, oh, I uh, didn't know I did that. Um, then I'll let you start. When, when I was in Italy, I'm going to give a lot of background before oh, I even gosh. answer. But when I was in Italy, sometimes I would just long for a, a sandwich. You could get really good sandwiches there. Right. But they also have a different approach, which is just like bread and an ingredient. 
because their bread is so good. And all their ingredients are so good. Right. So if you're getting like, you know, you could get a just <laughs> fresh mozzarella on bread. And it's like. And that would be a sandwich. Yeah, Or exactly. just prosciutto. Yeah. Or salami or something. Right. And it would be an amazing sandwich. But right. we don't have that quality of ingredients here. Exactly. Okay. My ideal sandwich. Perfect, I think, was the word. Perfect. Describe the perfect Toasted sandwich. sourdough bread. Mm. I like okay. sourdough. I okay. liked it before it was cool. Toasted sourdough bread <laughs> uh, with a little bit of butter and then a little bit of mayonnaise. Okay. Just enough butter to What to does get the it. butter do? Basically the same thing as the mayonnaise. I just feel okay. like without the butter, it wouldn't be complete. Um, okay. Then... Uh, Coleman's English mustard, which is uh, mustard that's like horseradish mustard. Like the stone ground, right? No, no, no. More. More so. It's like like wasabi, basically. Oh, okay. Horseradish. It's British. (laughs) Sounds intense. I love it. Um, Make your eyes water a little bit. If you put too much on it. (laughs) It tastes like wasabi, basically. Okay. Um, So Coleman's English mustard, healthy amount. Pickles. They must be dill pickles, not sweet pickles. Okay. Sweet pickles should be banished from polite society. Uh, except on burgers, bread and butter pick- nope. pickles. Only dill. Okay, we can debate that another time. Uh, some sharp white cheese. Of You've some sort. really thought about this before. Like <laughs> we we did not and pre-screen these questions. <laughs> yeah, we did not. This is a much more complete answer than I've given to any theological question. <laughs> um, or like what saying I like the most. <laughs> yeah. Sharp um, cheese. Sharp white cheddar cheese. Okay. Uh cl- approaching parmesan in its level of sharpness. Um okay. And uh, cold leftover steak sliced. So a steak sandwich is basically what I've described, a leftover right. steak sandwich. But not roast beef. No, not roast beef. Okay. Leftover steak. I'm describing something from my childhood. If we would, steak was hard to get in Bermuda. Like we could eat, mm. we could eat other meats uh, much more affordably. That's not a word. Yeah, sure. Whatever, economically. Mm-hmm. Um, but there aren't like beef cows in Bermuda. You have to ship it in and anyway. Yeah. Um, so we wouldn't have steak a ton, but having like the leftover steak as a steak sandwich in the manner I've described, I think yeah. is, is the greatest sandwich. It's the perfect sandwich. See in me, perfect sandwich. It's all about the bread, like the crusty bread on the outside, the softness on the inside I just think to this one little deli in my town in Jersey. In your little town in southern Italy. <laughs> on the Adriatic R- coast. Richard's Deli. And their bread. I mean, you could put anything on it. That's where I'm like going all Italian. Now, granted, I'm going to go real Italian on it. And like the ideal perfect sandwich is like chicken parmesan on this bread (laughs) you know make this worth your while (laughs) yeah exactly but really i'm very much that italian sense of if it is the perfect bread 
That that's just the perfect sandwich. You could put roast beef. You can make it an Italian sandwich. You can do steak. You can do roast beef. You can do turkey. You can do, you know, meatball sandwich. Quick hit, uh, tuna fish. Yes or no? Like for do I like it? Yeah, yeah, I like tuna. I'm fish. strongly in favor of tuna. Yeah, fish I like tuna fish. Okay. Please tell me you don't put that Coleman's mustard in tuna fish though. I know I, some people I that make tuna to. fish with like mustard instead. I mustard and almonds. I don't like sweet tuna fish. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I would go with kind of the bitter. What is that mustard taste? With like a mustard taste over yeah. sweet, but I don't think that's the ideal tuna fish sandwich. So if you need a sandwich though, that and you can't make it, you, you're driving around somewhere, you're about to go do an anointing. You gotta, you gotta get a quick sandwich in. Where do you go around here? I'm a Panera guy. And. <laughs> Jersey Mike's, come on. Jersey Mike's all right. All right? See, they got the closest bread aspect to me. I I feel like if you get it when it's freshly baked, their bread there, the crunchy on the outside, soft on the inside, I'm big on that. I don't get that at Panera as much. I'll go to Schlotzky's as well. I'm like one of the few keeping it in business. (laughs) All right, we're probably done. (laughs) People are like... What the pizza? <laughs> gonna talk about you our got... favorite cereal soon. <laughs> hey, I don't like cereal. We can't have that discussion. <laughs> my son Dom loves cereal, though, so <laughs> I can right. I can bring my A game on the cereal. So we thank you so much for listening, supporting the show. Reach out to us without any with with any questions. Joey Scansella, Father Paul Bechter. Take care. God bless.